You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to another show of Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so glad you could be with me because I got a super special show tonight, and I'm so excited about it. You know, I just love my job. And do you know why? It's because I get to talk to the most incredible people on this planet Earth at this time. And while I interview the individual, I actually get to feel their presence, their vibration. And often it's beyond spectacular. So this show tonight is very, very, very special to me because I am interviewing the one and only Neil Donald Walsh. And it's for this reason why I keep the show going forward. You know, when I did my very first show, I was so nervous that I felt like my heart was beating in my throat. Back then, I did not have a clue about internet radio. Well, actually, no one did because the internet radio was still very much an unknown factor. So it's been over 15 years since I started this show and Law of Attraction Radio Network. And, well, I guess you could say I developed into a master creator because every step of the way has been an extreme learning experience. I'm going to admit that it doesn't get easier. It actually gets more difficult because the internet is still growing and changing daily. It is extremely difficult to build a new podcast today than it is to actually build a house because the building of a structure has used the same tools that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. But the structure within the internet community just keeps getting more and more complicated. So the reason why I keep moving forward with my show and the radio network is because of people like Neil Donald Walsh. I actually get to talk directly to this incredible spiritual being. And, well, (laughs) I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that I can share it with everyone who listens to all the platforms that we are on. I can't thank you enough for being with me because it's because of you that I keep going forward. Now, I just want to make a few announcements. One, we are having a cruise in February 2023 down to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. We are leaving out of the port of Los Angeles and we will be having workshops on board. Again, cruises can be crowded and even very boring but not when you attend a workshop cruise because you are experiencing meeting like-minded people who then become lifelong friends. These cruises are truly a magical experience. So if you would like more information about the upcoming cruise, just go to loaradionetwork.com forward slash loa-cruise or you can see the picture of a cruise up at the top and you can click on that and you'll hit the page. And all you need to do is put in your $100 deposit and we will call up the cruise line and get you booked. The final payment will need to be at the end of October, but we can get you booked now so we can reserve your space. And the good news is, All the COVID restrictions are being completely reversed. So we are good to go. There are no restrictions now for vaccinated or unvaccinated. We are all good to go. Now, not to get on my soapbox, but (laughs) I will tell you this. If you're afraid about going on the cruise, you shouldn't be. 
because there are remedies that have been proven to be effective against the flu, against COVID, against the cold, everything. And it happens to start with taking your vitamins. Now, vitamin D3 is extremely important. Zinc, vitamin C, and quercetin are vital for you staying healthy, not only on a cruise, but with other activities. I mean, looking back, how many times did you actually hear doctors talk about preventing COVID? Amazing, isn't it? I simply recommend taking your vitamins a good month or two weeks prior to the cruise because it's important for you to build your immune system. And regardless if we've ever had COVID, the fact of the matter is going on the cruise, and this is my 14th cruise, going on a cruise means that you have to build up your immune system so that you can actually have a fabulous time. You're not going onto a cruise to get sick, but to show that you are a powerful creator and you belong in this group so that you can learn more on how to make that life of yours into something magnificent. Now just go to loaradionetwork.com, click on the cruise ship, and you will be redirected into all of the information about this fabulous cruise. And it is going to be fabulous. It's one you're not going to want to miss. I can promise you that. So on other news about Law of Attraction Radio Network, we have got a brand new show called Manifesting Made Easy with Solara Star. All you need to do to hear her new show is to go to LOARadioNetwork.com and just scroll down, click on her beautiful picture. I can promise you, you will love this show. It's right out of the UK and it is fabulous. And one final thing, I personally want to thank you for all of your donations. This really helps us to keep going and to expand our reach. This is about the law of attraction and what we give out is that which we seek. So in order for us to feel abundant, we have to create how to feel abundant. That's when we know that we've got it down right and uh, we are allowing the universe to send things to us. So while listening to one of the great shows on Law of Attraction Radio Network and you feel something very powerful, then take the time to send in a small donation because that is what keeps us growing and keeps us strong so that we can continue to send the messages to you. Now let's listen to these few commercials and we're going to be right back with my very, very special guest, Neil Donald Walsh. You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well-being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOARadioNetwork.com is heard through 25 different internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration at LOARadioNetwork.com. Hi there, Jules here. You know, in today's uncertain times, it is imperative that we stay healthy. And how do we do that? Well, one way is by growing your own delicious vegetables. There's a product that I want you to know about, whether you live in an apartment or house. It's called the Wiki Planter, and it comes complete with its own organic soil and organic algae plus plant food. All you need to do is add your desired plant, like lettuce, onions, carrots, and voila! All of a sudden, you have fresh, healthy vegetables at your disposal. Now, what makes the Wiki Planner so unique is that it has its wicking 
reservoir system with a water level indicator to let you know when it's time to add food and water. The organic algae plus plant food mixed with water is fed to your plants so that they will grow healthy, tall, and lush. The Wiki Planner takes all of the guesswork out of growing your own food. And it comes complete with instructions for ease of use for the ultimate success in growing fresh veggies. Go to www.resurgent.store and place your order now while there's still time. Once again, go to www.resurgent.store because there's no time to waste. You'll be glad you did. Okay, I am back and I'm so excited to be talking with the incredible writer of Conversations with God books, Neil Donald Walsh. You can find him on his website at neildonaldwalsh.com. Believe me, if you want a one-on-one conversation with this master, Go to his website. He is absolutely brilliant. You're going to love it as much as I do. Well, welcome, Mr. Neil Donald Walsh. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to have you back on my show. It's lovely to be here with you, Jules. Thank you for inviting me to return. I'm amazed that I would be invited to return. Once is usually enough for most people. (sighs) Not for me. Not for me. I've got to have uh, everything that you put out. And I really want to talk about your book today, The God Solution, The Power of Pure Love. It does seem to me that we're missing that aspect of love. We're, we're not understanding it. And so I thought maybe you could expound on that a little bit. Thank you. I'd love to. Uh, But let me first begin by telling you why I even want to expound on it, why I even wrote the book. We have a problem in the world today. People are modeling their behavior on what they understand the behavior of God to be. That is, those people who believe in God. And by the way, that's eight out of 10 people. Recent sociological surveys around the world, not just in certain countries, but across the globe, in the past five years have been asking a single question, do you believe in a higher power? And eight out of 10 people have said yes. So we noticed that there's a huge agreement among people that there is such a thing as a higher power. You know, there's more going on here than meets the eye. But of the people who believe in a higher power, let's call it God, the largest number believe in the God that's been taught to them by their religions. And there are a lot of religions. There are over 7,000 religions in the world today. I'm sorry, I, I, I misquoted this 4,000. There are more than 4,000 religions in the world today. Wow. But um, <clears throat> there are some major religions that we recognize the names of almost uh, immediately. The largest number of the world's religions teach of a God who is judgmental, condemning, and punishing. And so we have been told or taught to imitate, if you please, or to model the behaviors of divinity. That has given us, as a species, justification to create an, a moral ethic that allows us to judge, condemn, and punish each other. Wow. Now, my question and the question that comes up for me after my conversations with God experience is, what if we're wrong about that? That is, what if we are mistaken in our understanding that God is, in fact, judgmental, condemning, and punishing? What if God is none of those things? What if God is simply defined as pure love? So I'm asking in my question, I'm sorry, I'm asking in my book, The God Solution, the question, what if we're wrong about God? And I've chosen to define God as God defined herself in the book, Conversations with God. He said, 
divinity is nothing more than the essential essence of life, which is pure love. Mm. So now what I make this statement in front of audiences, someone inevitably will get up in the back of the room and say, it's all very interesting, Neil, but come on. Are you telling me that I've been sitting at this lecture for 20 minutes to hear you tell me God is love? I mean, everybody agrees on that. Even, even the religions that disagree on the fine print, they all agree that God is love. So I have to say to them, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I, I didn't say what you just said that I said. I didn't say God is love. I said God is pure love. And there's a difference. Yes. Now, my friend at the back of the room will say, okay, well, all right, what's the difference? The difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and demands nothing in return. If that's true, then God would have no reason to judge, condemn, or punish us. Because God cannot be hurt, damaged, upset, angered, or injured in any way. Certainly not, not really by anything, but certainly not by the likes of us, by human beings. So God sees us as we see, if I could use a metaphor, a six-month-old child. We, we, don't, we don't have to, to forgive a six-month-old child for whatever a six-month-old baby would do. Maybe we pick up the baby and rock the baby in our arms, and the baby has an unfortunate biological accident. We don't say to the baby, oh, it's okay, sweetheart, I forgive you. We, we we don't forgive the baby if the baby takes the, the baby rattle and weighs its arm and happens to hit us in the face with it. We don't say, it's okay, sweetheart, I forgive you. We, we understand that we're dealing with a six-month-old right. life form. Mm -hmm. Even as God, if you please, understands that we are in relationship to the age of the cosmos, like six-year-old children. We are very, very young as a species. Given that that's what's so, God has no reason to forgive us for anything. Therefore, God has no reason to judge us or condemn us or punish us. Now, if that's true, it's a big if. There are some people who think that what I'm saying is not true. But if it were true, it would pull the rug out from under the entire moral and ethical substructure of human society. Our political ethics, our economic ethics, our spiritual ethics, our social ethics would be undermined because they're all based on the idea that it's okay for us to judge, condemn, and punish each other. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So suddenly, we're left with what would happen on earth if we all expressed pure love for each other. Would we still have a country claiming that another country has violated its uh, borderline? And would one country say to another country, if you don't allow us to move into your country and take back the land we think is belonging to us, we're going to kill thousands of you. In cold blood, we're just going to drop bombs on you until you give us back what we think belongs to us, which is in dispute to begin with. You know, would, would pure love allow a, a police officer to put a chokehold on a man who's already lying on his face, face down, with handcuffs on him, and nevertheless put his knee on the man's back and until the man shouts, I can't breathe, and dies. Would pure love allow such a thing to happen? So we, we ask ourselves, and there are a dozen other questions I could ask behind that. Would pure love allow us to simply ignore what we're doing to this planet in terms of our environmental interactions and ignore and pretend that it simply doesn't exist, that there's no such thing as a climate problem? or climate change. If, 
If we decided that pure love is the nature of divinity, and if we decided to embrace and imitate that behavior, what in our interactions with each other might change? If we understood that pure love doesn't require, demand, expect, or hope for anything in return. It Jules, would be peace, very much peaceful. It would be identifying the peace that exists. We, we can't even love each other in the same household that way. That's Forget right. about nation That's with right. nation. We can't even turn to the person on the pillow next to us and say, I need, require, hope for, and demand nothing from you in return. No, no, we, we, what we have, what we call love in modern society is more like a trade deal. Yes. You know, like oh nations, like nations have trade deals with other nations. And so, you know, I'll give you this. I'm, I'm willing to play. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be unfair about it. I'm willing to trade with you. I'll give you what I have to offer to you but you have to give you what you have to offer me. And so on Valentine's Day, we we give each other a, a, the perfect Valentine. I found the absolutely perfect Valentine's card last February. My dearest darling, my beloved, I trade you very much. And I will never stop trading you. I will trade you until the end of time. But if you stop trading me, the deal is off. I get it. So is it possible for us to even love the person across the room and say, I don't need or require you to give me anything in return? Because if I love you because of what I can get from you, then I'm simply loving myself through you. Mm. But if I love you because you're over there and just because of who you are, because I see the beauty of you, the physical, the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual beauty of you. And I admire that so much that I love you to pieces if I never get anything back from you ever. And furthermore, I can love you that way because I need nothing in order for me to feel complete over here. I feel complete, not because you're causing me to feel complete, but because my loving you allows me to express the fact that I am complete. Wow. Very powerful. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that. <laughs> I don't think so. It sounds perfect to me. But it's still, we can't seem to get through what's going on in today's world. Where what does a person that have this love do is just to love everything, the good, the bad, the ugly? Yes, and that doesn't mean to accept everything. It doesn't mean that we, that we don't seek to change anything. Loving something does not mean that we fail to attempt to make a change. It simply means that we don't condemn it or somehow judge it uh, in a negative way. We just simply announce, you know, that's not what I choose. You know, I don't condemn uh, spinach, although it, it, it certainly deserves to be condemned. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody actually eating a bowl of spinach, but I suppose there are some people who do. But I don't condemn spinach, I simply don't choose it. Not choosing something is not condemning something. It's simply making a choice. And the choices we make in life announce and declare who we understand ourselves to be. Every act is an act of self-definition. Mm. I've never heard it put like that before. That is the truest thing I've ever heard. And it just like hit me between the eyes. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. The check is in the mail. Thank you for saying those things. <laughs> I notice you haven't lost your personality. You're booming as usual. <laughs> that's that's what they tell me. <laughs> so 
let's go with the God solution. And when you get this urge to write a book, is it like you have to do it? You've got God's giving you all of these messages that you have to put down on paper. Yes, that's exactly wow. how it feels. It, it, it feels that we've all had the experience. We may not turn it into a full length book, but all of us have had ideas that have come to us standing in the shower or taking a walk in the woods or just arising in the morning with somehow or another an idea hits us and we have to do something about it. We have to say something. We have to express it somehow or another. We have to get it out. And, and that's exactly the feeling that I have when I find myself inspired to write a book. Well, we're blessed that you did because the information that you're giving us is so vital. It's vital to us today because we're not there yet as humans. It seems like we're, we're stuck um, and it's a scary place to be. I mean, I just look at what's happening today and it's like, are we going to make it? The question needs to be rounded out or articulated more fully. What does make it look like? Are we going to make it? And what does that mean? Now, what I understand, see, and that, that question has to be asked and answered within the context. Who are we? Are we simply physical entities? Am I simply my body and my mind? And you know, like a fish in the sea or a bird in the sky, more sophisticated, perhaps more complex, but largely simply a biological creature. You know, I'm born, I live, I die, and that's the beginning and the end of it. Am I going to make it? it are all the biological creatures on the planet going to make it? We, I assume that by make it, you mean survive. But, yeah. now, but, but now let me ask you this question. What if we are more than simply a biological entity? What if we are spiritual entities simply having a human experience? If that's true, then making it is no longer defined as simply surviving. In fact, survival has nothing to do with it. Our survival is guaranteed because spiritual entities never die. They simply change the form in which they express themselves. So if we are in fact spiritual entities, or what I would loosely call a soul, if we are actually individual souls, then survival is not, not the issue. Are we going to make it? Means then, are we going to have the opportunity in our eternal lifetime to express an experience, to become and to demonstrate to fulfill our true identity. Make it then is defined as fully knowing in our experience our true identity as individuations of divinity. And the answer to that question is yes, we are going to make it. It's not a question of whether we're going to make it, but when. So, okay. We'll make it. Um, and I believe the last time you were on my show, we, we talked a little bit about death and dying. Um, so we really don't end at death. Would you say that? Of course I would. No, de death is not an ending of anything. I asked God specifically, you know, what is death? I said, you know, this is a big topic. Can you just give it to me in one sentence? And she said, sure, Neil, I'll give you the definition of death in one sentence. Death is simply a process of re-identification. Wow. That is the truest thing. Wow. So, but we, we do come back to experience life again and learn well, we, what we, we, we don't we don't experience life again we never stopped experiencing life that's the whole point we just made so we don't come back to experience life again we come back to experience physicality uh, as opposed to life which never ends in the spiritual realm so we do come back to experience physicality again and again and again we call these returnings 
We call them reincarnations. So we reincarnate a countless number of times. I mean, I don't even know what the number is. 300, 500, 600, two, two times, six times, eight times. But I am reliably informed that the soul will make a voluntary decision to return to physical life. By the way, not just on this planet, but anywhere in the cosmos that we might choose. We can return to physicality anywhere in the universe that it pleases us to experience physicality in our next expression of who we are. Wow. Which, by the way, ex ex uh, uh, explains why on a summer night with no clouds in the sky, I can look up at the stars and feel homesick. Mm. Oh, I've been there. I'm not just... I'm not just admiring the beauty of the night sky. I've been there. As I've, we all have, yes. Yes, yes. So, yes, we return to physical expression in order to have another opportunity to announce and declare, express and fulfill, become and experience ourselves as who we really are. Because that experience requires us to be in what I would call the realm of the relative. That is, it requires us to be in a place where that which we are not exists. Because in the absence of that which you are not, that which you are is not. That is, it can't be experienced. Well, this was explained to me in conversations with God. I said to God, you're losing me here. You're losing me. What, what are you saying? God said, Neil, this is really very simple. Put your thinking cap on. How tall are you? I said, well, I'm six feet tall. As it happens, I happen to be exactly six feet tall. God said, how do you know that? How do you experience being six feet tall? I said, well, I, 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 because I know I'm six feet tall. Because the only way you know you're six feet tall, Neil, is because there are a lot of things around you that are not six feet tall. <laughs> if every blade of grass, every tree, every dog, every fish, every other person, if every other thing on the planet was exactly six feet tall, you would not know yourself. In your experience, you could conceive of yourself as six feet tall, but you wouldn't know that you were in your experience. So in order for you to experience being six feet tall, you would create that which you are not. You would allow yourself to embed yourself in an environment where things that are not six feet tall exist. The same is true for those of you who think that you are individuations of divinity. If you wish to experience yourself as that, you would place yourself in a contextual field, in an environment, if you please, with that which you would not define as divine exists. But don't condemn it. Raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not, but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are. So that means going through the trials and tribulations teaches or shows you who you are. Gives you an opportunity to demonstrate who you are. Provides you an invitation to step into the fullest expression of who you really are. Okay. But it's counterintuitive. The, yeah, things we, the, 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 the things we would be invited to do would be counterintuitive. For instance... As somebody said here a couple of years ago, bless, bless, bless your enemies mm -hmm. and pray for those who persecute you and do good to those who would do you evil. And when a man slaps you on the right cheek, turn it off for him your left. And when a man steals your coat, Give him your shirt as well. And when a man demands that you walk one mile with him, go with him, Twain. 
then you will know in your experience who you really are. And so life is an opportunity for us to move from concept to experience, from knowing to expressing our true identity. And so often today we are doing things so that others will see us as that person that you're describing when in fact we're really not there yet. <laughs> no, not, not if we need other people to see us as that. There's an old saying, if you see the Buddha walking down the street, kill him. It's an ancient saying. I don't like the metaphor, but it is an ancient saying. Why? Because if it looks like the Buddha, talks like the Buddha, and acts like the Buddha, it's not the Buddha. Wow. I get it. So, yeah. So if we move through life needing other people to see us as the highest expression of divinity, then clearly we are not that. Because the highest expression of divinity needs requires nothing, least of all the adulation or the admiration of anyone else. But it's important for us as individuals to feel that way about us, is it not? That we it, feel good about who we are? It's um, wonderful for us to have that feeling. You use the word, is it important to us? It depends on what we're trying to do. It is important to us if what we're trying to do in this lifetime is to have a direct experience of who we really are, that it is important to us. Yes, that's true. But not everyone has that as their goal in life. That's true. Yes, I know. Everything I say is true. <laughs> well, you have this divine wisdom about you <laughs> that I've noticed. And your books also have this wisdom that we need to, especially right now, we need to grab hold of and understand. Well, we don't need to, but we're invited to. We're invited to. Need does not exist. One of the 10 illusions of humans, in fact, the first of the 10 illusions of humans given to us in the book Communion with God, is the idea that need exists. Need is an illusion. We don't need to do anything. But we may want to, we may choose to do certain things depending on what we are trying to do. Again, we go back to what are we on the earth for? What is our intention? What is, as the French say, what is our raison d'etre? What is our reason for being? If I think I'm a physical entity like a fish or a bird, then I will have a totally different reason for being than if I think that I'm a spiritual entity. Then my reason for being would be decidedly different. Wow. Hmm. So there are four questions that I invite people to ask themselves every morning when they arise. Look at the mirror and ask yourself these four morning questions. Who am I? Where am I? Why am I where I am? And what do I intend to do about that? Ask these four questions every morning of your life and see if after 30 days it doesn't begin to change the way you move through the world. To say nothing of changing why you move through the world. Wow. So in the law of attraction arena, we usually get into it because we want to start attracting some good things to us, which is probably a very false premise that well, we're it's a looking bit shallow. Yeah, shallow. So it is actually a bit shallow, but that is what attracts people in. And I've been doing this for 16 years. So I've been learning that we do have to create a different mindset. Well, we don't it's have to. But we're invited to. Invited to. Well, I choose to because it didn't do me any good. I was miserable still with all the knowledge of the law of attraction. It was like people were coming. I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to show me how to do this. 
But the truth is, it's an individual place to be to discover the four things that you mentioned that you have to do every single day. It's like a discovery period for you every day to learn. Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Yeah, we're not going to really learn anything. We're going to remember. There's nothing to learn. We already know all of this. It's a matter of remembering what we knew when we came here. Because we've gone through a process of forgetting because our culture has drummed it out of us. Our culture has taught us. You know, when I was raised as a child, I, I was brought up in a culture that taught me the real goals of life, the important goals of life. Get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the house, get the spouse, get the better car, get the better job, get the better spouse, get the better spouse, get the better spouse. Get your name on the office door. Get your name on the building. Get the cruise tickets, get the gray hair. And then finally get the sickness and get out. And that was the formula by which I lived my life until I turned around 55 or 53 years old when I realized, oh my goodness, none of that matters. Not a single one of those goals matter. But I had to learn that the hard way. I learned it by living on the sidewalk for a year, by being a street person for a year. Not voluntarily, not of my own free will, I had no choice. I simply ran into some problems in my life. I don't need to get into the whole drama, but the drama ended with me being evicted from my apartment and having to live, live on the sidewalk. I couldn't get work anywhere, couldn't get a job, and everything fell apart in my life, including an accident, a car accident, in which I broke my neck. And it wasn't a simple hairline fracture. It was a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. I remember the wording exactly from the, from the uh, x-ray technician's report. Now, a three-quarter inch fracture of your neck is large enough to put a pencil through. We're not talking about a hairline crack. And, and so uh, when I was met by the surgeon who was working with me after the accident in the hospital. He said, do you understand that most everybody, like 98% of the people who suffer this kind of an injury, die instantly because of spinal cord involvement, or at the very least, they're terribly paralyzed. You have suffered neither outcome. What do you intend to do with the rest of your life? Did you worry that you weren't going to be able to move around? Well, I had a broken neck. Of course, of I had course. no, I had no idea, and they wouldn't let me move. You know, for the first two weeks, they had a, they had a brace on my neck. Yeah. I had to wear the brace for a year, but they had, they had me braced. You know, they said, "Do not move." I was immobile, and I didn't know if I would ever really move or have free freedom of movement again. I wound up wearing the, uh, the the therapeutic device. It's called a Philadelphia collar. It keeps your head up because the doctor said, you know, Neil, imagine holding a basketball up on the head of a pin. That's what's going right on right now. There's nothing to support your head. So we're going to ask you to wear this therapeutic device, you know, for the next year or so. And I did. Of course, I couldn't find a job then because nobody would hire me wherever I walked in trying to get work. Finally, one guy was honest with me and said, Mr. Walsh, we can't, we can't give you a job here. One wrong move, you'll be a walking insurance claim. Oh. So, so, you know, when you get that therapeutic device off your neck, give us a call. Well, it took over a year to rehabilitate my neck completely, and I wound up living on the sidewalk asking people for coins or whatever they could spare just so I could eat that day. I slept on the ground. I lived outside. That's how I lived. I, I managed to get a tent. My ex-wife allowed me to have a tent. 
She said, oh, here, take the tent. So I could get out of the rain, but I couldn't get out of the cold. It's pretty cold in a tent. And I couldn't get off the ground because the tent is on the ground. So I'm sleeping on the cold ground. But at least I was out of the rain. And I lived that way for a year. Walking the streets every day, asking for a few coins so that I could maybe gather enough to go to the fast food place and grab a burger and some fries. But here's the deal. What? What that taught me was how little I needed to experience who I really am. Because I had nothing. You're not going to believe this, but on top of everything else, at the same time, my car was stolen. Believe it or not. So I go outside. I had been staying with a friend for a couple of days. I go outside and the car is gone. And I call the police and they said, oh, you know, when was the last time you saw the car? I said, well, probably two days ago when I pulled up here. And the, the policeman said, oh, my, I'm sorry to tell you that that car has already been parted out by now. It's been It's been lifted off the street and broken down in and sold for its parts by you know, professional car thieves who do this. So now I didn't even have a car I could sit in or sleep in or move around in. I'm on foot, lying on the ground at night and begging for money so I could eat. That'll stop you in your tracks, and it will change what you understand to be important in your life. Did you believe in God then? Oh, sure. You did. But why would God let that happen to you? If God, you were God does not let things happen to us, nor does, God, nor does God prevent things from happening to us. You asked me if I believed in God, but the real question was, were you happy with God? The answer is no, uh, which is why I started writing a letter. When I finally got off the street after a year, and I was on the sidewalk for two weeks shy of one year. And I finally got into a little apartment because I wound up with a little part-time job in broadcasting where I didn't have to do any moving around. I was just sit in front of a microphone and talk so in radio. So I got a job in radio, and, and uh, I wound up getting off the street. It was a weekend job. I, I, I didn't get a full-time gig, but I got a weekend fill-in. I was a fill-in announcer on a small radio station. Just enough money, just a few hundred dollars a month, less than a thousand dollars a month. I think it was about six hundred dollars a month. Just enough to, in those days, this is now thirty years ago. Just enough money in those days to rent a small little, over the garage apartment, in the backyard of somebody's house. So at least I got out of the weather, out of the cold, out of the, you know, and I, I, but I still didn't have much to eat. I, nobody, I still didn't have a, a job. So I, I sat down one morning at 4.30 in the morning and wrote a very angry letter to God. I had a yellow legal pad on the coffee table and I started writing a letter. Dear God, what does it take? What does it take to make life work? What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? Tell me the rules. I'll play. I promise I'll play. Just give me the rule book. And after you tell me the rules, don't change them. Because my experience had been that all of life's rules were changing. So I wrote that angry letter to God. What does it take? And I began hearing answers. And I wrote down the answers that I was hearing. Because they were so astonishing, I didn't want to forget what I was hearing. So I asked more questions. Because the answers brought up more questions for me. And then I received more answers. Then I asked more questions. And before I knew it, I was involved in an on-paper dialogue. Back and forth, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And I was told in this dialogue, this is now, it's, you know, it's six o'clock in the morning, this is going on for hours. And I was told in the dialogue, you will make of this a book and it will be accessed by many people. And I thought, now I got you. Now I got you. Because that's measurable. 
That's a measurable outcome. Everything else I was hearing, if you please, was theoretical, conceptual in nature. Could be, could not be, who would know? Who would know? But here was a statement of fact. This will be a book read by many people. I thought, we'll see about that. Nobody's going to publish my middle-of-the-night mental meanderings. I could just see the sub-publisher going out to the workroom floor saying to his editors, hold the presses. I got a guy here who's talking to God. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to publish this stuff. And they did. Yes. And it, it did, but nothing. It sold, you know, a lot of copies. Yeah, it did. I bought a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, oh, that explains everything. <laughs> yeah, it wound up selling actually 15 million copies in 37 languages. Who would know? I mean, but I can tell you one thing. I didn't doubt what I was being told in that dialogue ever again. Because if something as improbable as that would happen, then I had my doubt erased, and I began to listen very carefully to what I was being told in the conversation, which wound up covering around 3,700 pages, almost 4,000 pages of back-and-forth dialogue, spanning nine books. Wow. Yes, I remember because I was sitting in Unity Church right before the service started, and the whole church was like talking about Neil Donald Walsh. And I'm going, so I had to go up to the bookstore and purchase a book right away. That was my introduction to you. And it's the best thing that ever happened. (laughs) I learned a lot. That conversation told us to not give up. It, ta- it told us to keep going forward, but to listen and to feel it in the heart. And so it was really very, very powerful. I'm glad you experienced it that way. I experienced it in exactly the same way. I'm glad you shared, shared that experience. It was very, very amazing. And that's why uh, you're one of my favorite all-time authors, because you allow us to grow by what you experienced. And you could feel the God in your books. It wasn't a religious experience. It was uh, a living experience. And that's what I remember. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I hope that I have brought some benefit to this world. You have. You have. But let's go back a little bit, because I just want to ask you another couple of questions. When you were in those places where you were down and, and frustrated, and then you picked up that pencil and started writing God or asking the questions, Did you think that that was your last resort? Gosh, I don't think I was thinking in those terms, actually. I I don't think I was thinking exactly that way. I was was too angry to even have a logical thought. Uh I was simply angry. I was writing on the yellow legal pad. I remember this. I had a ballpoint pen. I was writing so hard that you could have read, I was pressing down on that tablet so hard, you could have read six pages deep from the impression and read what I was, even there was no ink, but you could have read, you know, what I was writing. Yeah. That's, how, that's how angry I was. I was just like, what does it take to make life work? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I was just so angry. So I wasn't sitting there logically thinking, well, this is my last resort. Those kinds of thoughts didn't enter my mind. I was simply mad as hell. And, you know, and, and then uh, uh, the first thing I heard in response to my questions was, Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Yeah. yeah. Or are you just venting? And I said, well, well I am venting. 
I'd sure as hell like to know. If you got answers, I'd sure as hell like to know what they are. And what I got back was, wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven rather than being sure as hell? And I said, what's that supposed to mean? And that began a back and forth dialogue that within a half hour had me teary-eyed with joy, tears of joy, that my frustration and my anger was being released. And had you not experienced that, you would not have been, well, I don't know, you don't know, but if you didn't get to that place of being so angry, you may not have been able to hear. I don't think I would have, but I want to make it clear that because I asked God that a question about that. Do we all have to hit you know, the bottom? Do we all have to you know hit rock bottom and be so angry in order to be able to hear uh, you know, the wisdom and the clarity that, of the divinity? And the answer I got was no. Don't go around telling people that that's a prerequisite because it's not. Many people who have never had an experience anything like yours, many people who have been actually on the top, on the mountaintop, uh, living the great dream, without any bad th- bad thing happening to them at all, have also had uh, the experience that you're calling conversations with God. God said to me, Neil, I talk to everyone all the time not just people who've hit rock bottom. I'm talking to everybody all the time. The question is not to whom is God talking. The question is, who's listening? <sighs> yeah. yeah. And some people who are not at rock bottom can equally listen with great clarity and have done so, in fact. So we just have to have the desire to listen? Yes. What is it? That's right. The desire. We have okay. to. We have to have a desire to experience what's actually going on, and stop calling it something else. We don't have to call it women's intuition or a sudden idea or a great thought or uh, you know uh, a, a brilliant insight or an epiphany or a coincidence, or whatever we, whatever words we want to use in order to describe uh, our conversation with God. We don't have to somehow describe it in some other way so we won't be marginalized or ridiculed. You know, we, we, the, word is insp- the, the question becomes, where does inspiration come from? Where did Michelangelo uh-huh. get, his, get his inspiration to paint what he put on the Seating of the Sistine Chapel. Where, where did Mozart get his inspiration for the breathtaking music that he created? Where does inspiration come from for anyone? Does it come from the desire? Or? It, it, it can come. Desire is a way for us to experience our conversation with God as what it really is. But it's not required. You know, we can be hit by a lightning bolt, so to speak. I mean, metaphorically, we can we 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 can in fact jump out of the shower stall and say, "Oh my gosh, I got I got it, I got it, I just got the whole idea," and we rush to put on our clothes and get to a keyboard and write down what came to us in the middle of taking a shower, or in the middle of a walk in the woods, or driving down the road. So, but I think that a I do think that a desire to expand and experience our expression of self is is at the root of the experience we are now describing. Okay. It's that desire, it's to know more, to experience more, to be on the spiritual path to actually have our own conversations with God. If we desire that, we're going to get that, I would think. Well, we are but, getting it. I, I want to make the point again. We, 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 we are not going to get it. We are getting it. 
But if we desire it, we will recognize, that is to recognize, that is to know again, to recognize. We will know again exactly what we are experiencing. And we will then call it for what it is. And we will come to the conclusion, you know what? You know what? God's been talking to me all my life. I've simply been calling it something else or denying it altogether or rejecting it as too good to be true or whatever. But God has never left my side. She's been talking to me since the day I was born, and he has no intention of stopping. You know what? In this age and time that we're all experiencing, not knowing what really is going on, the answer is to turn and listen and to feel the love that is being that we already have within us. Right? Isn't and the that best way, yes, I agree. And the best way to feel it is to give it away. Any experience of any kind, whatever the experience is that we want, we want to experience abundance, humor, companionship, wisdom, clarity, health, whatever experience we want more of, simply be the source of it in the life of another. Because what moves from you to, to another moves through you, and what moves through you sticks to you. <laughs> so what when we become the source, I was I was given uh, three words in, in what became book one of conversations with God. Be the source. See, there are two places on the playing board of life we can we can occupy. We can decide to be the seeker. I am a seeker a seeker of wisdom, a seeker of clarity, a seeker of spiritual truth. I am a seeker. Or we can be the source. To the degree that we play the game called I'm a seeker, we will depend on something or someone outside of us to supply that to us, that which we are seeking. But to the degree that we are a source, we reach inside for what is already there, and we source it to another. And that's an entirely different process. It really is. Oh, my goodness. And that's what I want to, all of the listeners to understand about the law of attraction. We can attract God to us. We are the source energy. We are a part of God, if only we put down all those desires for a minute and tune within, we become one with life. And then all the things that we were desiring, get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the house, da, 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 get the raise, get the name on the door, get the, all those things fall in on us automatically. That's right. And that's the key right there. Well, you know, somebody told us this a couple of years ago. I think it was two, what, two or three years ago. He said, don't go around asking, how are we to eat? How are we to drink? What, what will we use to clothe ourselves? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. He told and us point blank. That's right. That's right. And for some reason, we haven't been hearing it. Well, because it's too good to be true. Most people don't believe those kinds of things because it sounds too good to be true. And that's where we've got to change the way we think. No, we don't got to, but we are invited to. <laughs> I feel like I have to. It's time that I've got to understand. I've got to be able i have to this is this is what is important to me everything else is not so much it's my connection to the source to god that makes life worth living cause another person to experience their connection to the source and you will experience your own connection oh my goodness Ah, that is powerful. 
Oh, wow. Or as somebody said a couple of weeks ago, do unto others as you would have it done unto you. Was that just a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, um, so we've been told all this. This is what's interesting. We've been told all of this before. We have. People call me a new age author. I go, new age? I'm repeating stuff that was given to us a couple of thousand years ago. What's new age about it? Wow. And truly, God is the solution and the power of pure love. It's my experience for sure. And, and what's interesting about the book, The God Solution, is that the last five chapters, chapters 24 through 28, offer a, a virtual short course in metaphysics. It describes in those last five chapters exactly how the process of manifestation works. So it's a very powerful book. Okay. And I want all my listeners to run out and get the God solution, the power of pure love by Neil Donald Walsh. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you again. You are just a blessing to us all. And uh, we are still learning word by word. So just have patience with us, but we're coming along. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, I've enjoyed every moment. Uh, and I am grateful. Thank you. I am grateful, too, for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.